Hey, if you weren't here with us last week, I I kicked off a a little message series, a three-part message series called Circle Up. And the phrase circle up really means to to have a huddle, to to gather around. And one of the things we try to do each September as we launch into fall season, we're really uh, resetting our calendar, resetting our priorities. It's just what happens in September. And so it's a wonderful time to to huddle up. And when a coach has a huddle, um, what do they usually... They're not usually saying like, hey, let's huddle before the game and here's a bunch of new plays you haven't seen. No, no. When you huddle up, it's a reminder. It's like, here are the things we talked about. Here are the things that need to be priority as we head out into our week. And that's exactly what we're doing today. And so to just spend a few minutes recapping last week. Uh, last week, we, we sort of introduced this series. And I showed you this little circle that's coming up here. And I said that this is you. And I said that it's kind of like an onion because you're complicated. And there are many layers to you, right? Not only are there different layers to your personality, but there are different layers to your motives. There's different layers to your decisions. And so really, this is an oversimplified version of you because there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of layers of complexity. If you don't like onions, we can call it a jawbreaker. Whatever your thing is, it's all good. So this is you, and there's all this complexity. And what we learned last week is that at the center of you, the center of your life is something. There's something that you love most that you value most, that actually influences all the other layers and aspects of your life. How you spend your time, where you go, who you spend your time with, how you spend your money, uh, all of those things. And so what's at the center really, really matters. And so as we kicked off this Circle Up series, what we, we talked about was the first and most important thing. And when Jesus was asked, what is the first and greatest commandment? Is there one above all the rest? Jesus said, yes. In Matthew 22, he said to him, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus says the first thing you ought to do, leaving this place today, is to make sure that God himself is at the center of your life, that he is the source from which every other aspect of your life emanates. And he goes on to say this, this is the great, and everybody say with me, first commandment. The first commandment is to love God. And so I showed you this this little wheel. I said, this is you, and this is where God wants to be, at the center. In fact, as we learned last week, and we can't spend a lot of time on this, we learned last week that God doesn't just suggest that he be the center, he demands it. We read some hard verses last week. Jesus said, unless you love me more than your mother and father, you're not worthy of me. Unless you love me more than your children, you're not worthy of me. Unless you love me more than anything else. So Jesus like, it's not just, it's not just that I want to be here, it's that I have to be here. And we learned last week it's because of the preeminence of Christ. He is first. It's who he is. Everything comes from him, through him, and to him. So he is the center of the universe, of the created order. And if he's not first, he's out of place. And so it's not that Jesus is like, oh, I have low self-esteem. Please make me your favorite. Jesus is like, if you don't make me the center, if I'm not at the middle, nothing's going to work. Your life will not be in alignment. It'll be like a wheel that's out of alignment. It's just, you'll be bumping through life going, I just can't figure this out. He demands to be at the center. So that's where we were last week. And hopefully you went away from last week going, yeah, I want, I want Christ to be at the center of my life. I want him to be that firm foundation from which every other aspect of my life rolls. But today I want to introduce a complication because unfortunately we don't live alone. We don't live alone because honestly, if we were to live alone, it'd be a lot easier, right? You'd be like, I am such a patient person. No, you've just been alone. You haven't interacted. You haven't bumped into anybody in a while. And the moment you do, it's like, yeah, I got out of my space. You, you react and it's like, oh, actually, I'm not that patient. I'm just lonely. I'm just alone. Okay? But in reality, life looks more like this. So we have all our rings and we're trying to make Jesus and God the center of our lives, but we're crashing in other people that have different priorities. So this could be a friendship. 
This could be a partnership. This could be, let's assume this is a marriage for the second. These are two lives that are merged into one life, one family, one home. And notice they're different colors because they're different people. And so there's all kinds of collisions that are going on. And so we have to figure out how to keep God at the center while colliding with other people. And then if they collide enough times, you're going to end up with some children. So we'll throw those on there. You notice, you'll notice they're a different color. I, I looked online to see red and blue make purple. So we've got some little, little children. And you never know. They're always different than you, but they have similarities to mom and dad. You know, that's the idea. And, uh, you know, if they're bad, it's, those are mom's traits. And if they're good, they're mine. That kind of thing. That's, that's how we roll. So we've got these kids now that are complicating. You know, I'm trying to keep Christ at the center of my life. And I'm trying to live out my faith. And all of a sudden, bang, bang, bang. Kids, parents, the whole thing. Add some friends into the mix. Okay, so you've got some, you've got some friends that are joining in and, and colliding with you and your family. And, and then, of course, we've got um, difficult people, we'll say. Um, this is not a coronavirus that's actually a spiky person. For those that know the Enneagram, that's an Enneagram 8 right there. A few people got that one. I happen to be an Enneagram 8, so I tend to be a little bit uh, rough edges and hard on people. So, But in reality, we all, all personalities have some spikes, some rough edges to rub off. And so as we're colliding with one another, we'll find that people will hurt us. You know, this is maybe not the most encouraging thing, but if you're going to be in a relationship with other people, you will get hurt. People will hurt you. But this is what's really important. People will help you. And the real question is, are they the right people? Because if they're the right people, you endure the hurts, and you get the help, and you grow together. But life is not as complicated, it's not as simple, I should say, as just me and God, right? That's, that would be super nice, but it's not. And then we add in our workplace, and you know, on and on. So most of us, if we were to diagram our lives out, whatever they are, there'd be this circle of maybe 100 people that touch our lives in various ways and in various capacities. And we're trying to put God at the center of our life in the midst of all of this relational. You with me? And so um, when Jesus said the first commandment is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, he didn't stop there. And so many of you know this. He, he goes on to say a second is like it. Let's all say like it. So the command you're about to hear doesn't actually sound much like love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But Jesus says they're deeply connected, like it, similar, same. He goes on to say, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this is talking first, love God, that's vertical. And then secondly, love your neighbor, the people around you. And who's your neighbor? Whoever's in your immediate vicinity, whoever's near you. It could be somebody on your street, somebody you work with, someone living in your home. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. Here's the big idea behind this. Your faith cannot be lived out in isolation. It can't be. And when I was in in, uh, high school, I did not love math class. Not because, actually, I enjoyed solving the math problems. Can I tell you what I didn't like? I would hand in my test and I have all the right answers. And I would get like a 60%. And I would go back to the teacher. I'm like, why did I not get full marks? They said, you didn't show your work. Which is so frustrating because I know what I did and it's all in my head and I figured it out and I got the right answer and they're like, you get half the marks. Like, why? Because you didn't show your work. So that's why I didn't like math class. And then all, the only thing worse that was showing your work was you have to double check your work. So it's like, I already found the answer. Why do I have to double check your work? And so I've got a little formula here for those of you who love math. Okay. 560 divided by 16. I've already done it for you. Equals 35. So we got the answer. I'm done now. That's it. Give me my marks. But the teacher said, no, you got to test, you got to check your work. And so some of us know we rework, we rework the numbers. So it looks something like this. 35 times we're going to multiply by the denominator and it should equal 560. And if that is correct, if it comes up with the same answer, it's like, okay. 
Am I moving too fast? You guys with me? <laughs> like, I remember, I remember that. Okay. So what we're doing, we're double checking our work. That's exactly what these two commandments are. Jesus said they're like each other because they actually prove one another. They work in both directions. So for example, uh, Jesus says, if you truly love God, you will love your neighbor. If that is true, this is true. And, and one of the ways you can actually verify whether you love God, because anyone can say, I love God most. But the way you verify if you love God most is you have to look at how you treat other people. And if that checks out, then you've got the thing in the right sequence. Don't believe me? Here's what John says as he writes to the early church. He says, if anyone says, I love God, I keep the first commandment and hates his brother and breaks the second. You don't really, you're not really keeping the first commandment. See, it doesn't check. The math doesn't, doesn't compute. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he hasn't seen. Okay? You with me so far? You with me? So this thing has to work in both directions. Last week we talked about loving God with all our heart. Today we're going to come at it from the other direction. A couple statements I want to share with you that I think are really, really important. The first is this. Our relationship with God impacts our relationship with others. Is that true? Yeah. If we love God and we make him center of our life, then we're going to be gracious and merciful. We're going to speak truth. We're going to be kind. All that stuff is going to be true as we interact with other people. But guess what? It works in the reverse. And maybe this is something you haven't thought about. Our relationship with others will impact our relationship with God. It has to be true. And, and today what I want, to, I want to speak on, the title of my message today is Choose Your Circle. Choose Your Circle. And what I'm talking about today is choosing the relationships and the environments that you spend your time in and with. Okay, what I'm really talking about is the power of environment. Can we all say that together? The power of environment. You're like, what is an environment? Environment is the immediate area around you. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about the environment where you spend your time. The people and the places where you go will impact your life significantly. And I'm going to show you this, that, that based on the environment you choose, it can actually determine where your relationship with God and others ends up. Here's a quote that is unknown. Some of you heard it before. Very true. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Isn't that true? There's something that screams truth about that. It's, what this is talking about is the, the power, the power of environment. That's what it's talking about. Now, my parents knew all about the power of environment. Because when I was a teenager, I would say, Mom and Dad, can I please go to the party? It's a field party and all my friends are there. And they would say, no. And I'd be like, why not? I'm not going to do anything wrong. And they'd say, no. Why? They intuitively understood the power of environment. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. They knew that if I was there, certain things would happen. And certain things were much more likely to happen that could create all kinds of problems. Being a, a pastor's kid and knowing the Bible, I tried using that to my advantage. I said, Mom and Dad. Jesus hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners. We can't live in a Christian bubble. And they said, no, because of the power of environment. I said, you, you don't understand. You don't understand. They need Jesus. And if I'm not there to do ministry to my friends, and my parents are like, no, you're not doing do ministry at school. No, you're not going. Because they understood the the power of environment. When I said, Mom and Dad, can I sleep over at so-and-so's house? No! Because they knew the environment of the home that I would be spending time in, and they knew that there is a power, there's a power to environment, right? 
It's, it's a significant, significant thing. And so, you know, I, would, I tried everything I could, and my parents would often uh, not let me go. So today, what I want to do is I want to take some time to look at a few verses that are found in Psalm 1. And before we turn to it, uh, let me introduce Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is obviously the first of the Psalms, written, uh, we believe, by King David. King David wrote a lot uh, to his son Solomon, who would later become king, one of the greatest of all. And, uh, and David wrote, and this first Psalm, the thing that he as a father and as a leader, decided to write about, guess what Psalm 1 is about? The power of environment. It's about where you choose to put your life, who you choose to surround yourself with. That's the theme of this particular chapter as it opens up. So, let's take a look. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man, feel free to substitute, blessed is the woman, blessed is the teenager, blessed is the university student, The college, you can institute anything you want there. Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So the first thing that the psalmist is going to do, he's going to give us three things that we shouldn't do if we want to be blessed. Who here wants to be blessed? Show of hands. It's not a trick. Okay, 70% of you. Awesome. Um, I've been doing that for years and still people don't get it. I mean, yes, yes, that's me. If you want to be blessed, he says, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now think about this. What he's saying is, you have to be really, really cautious that you are not listening to the wrong voices. Someone who walks in the counsel of the wicked is somebody who's around wicked people, hearing their thoughts, and then, if you hear it enough, you'll begin to act on it. I like to say it this way, if you choose the wrong circle, you'll hear the wrong voices. This is really important. The circle around you, the environment you're in, will actually shape your life. We don't think about it, but it's true. What are the voices that you're listening to? CNN, Fox, yeah, CTV. You might say, "Oh no, no, no!" I you, pretty much it's Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. All of these things are sources of information. But what's interesting about it is what you need to understand is that is that most of these software platforms where we're getting our information are actually controlled by algorithms. Now, I don't know a lot about biology. You learned about that last week. I know some things about computer science. I studied computer science. And I can tell you this, an algorithm is a piece of code that is written and is used in the software to determine what is going to come up in your feed. So when you open up Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, it's going to populate your feed based on a series of code that is predetermined to do certain things. Now, I need to state at the outset, I don't, I'm not suggesting that all big tech is out to get us, you know, end of the world's kind of stuff. What I can tell you is they're trying to make money. And the way they make money is by putting ads in front of you. And the way they put the right ads in front of you is tracking what you like and what you click on and what you look at so they can figure out what to put in front of you. Does that all make sense? So they know if they feed you stuff that you want to see, you'll stay on their platform longer. You'll see more ads. They make more money. Simple. What sociologists didn't know up until fairly recently is how much these algorithms can impact a society. Because these algorithms that are giving you stuff you want to see are actually shaping the way we think. And people often say, well, Nathan, I I don't know why I've been around for a long time and the world is so polarized. Like everyone seems to be on such extreme opposite ends of every issue. Don't care whether it's COVID, whether it's abortion, whether it's, you know, um, any, you know, any topic, the Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, government and all these things that we talk about. I want to show you, this is an image Okay, of what the algorithm does. So if you're in the center here and you're on the computer one day and you click on something that you find interesting, it moves you in the direction of your interest and it populates more things into your feed of the same sort. And if you keep clicking on those, eventually all you're going to see 
is all of this. So you're actually choosing at the outset on the first click what's going to be showing in your feed. And then as you click each time, you get further and further over to here. And so people will say, oh, I like that comment or I like that video. And all of a sudden they find themselves over here and they go, everyone in the world thinks the way I do on this issue. Everyone agrees with me. Look, it's in my feed. Everything is being populated. So you're over here and going, I don't understand how there could be all these weirdos. Then they're always weirdos on the other side. You're going, well, how could they be so, how could they see it from that point of view? But you know what? They clicked on something different and now they're over here and they're being fed a whole different set of information. You see how this happens? Uh, Last week I talked about my shoulder issue. Well, during that time I was clicking on all these YouTube videos on how to fix your shoulder and stretches and all that stuff. And then last week, my, my son, Nathaniel, he said, hey, dad, can you help me? I want to build a Mandalorian helmet. So I'm like, cool. So we're watching all these videos on how to make these helmets. Next thing you know, I, I log into YouTube, and my whole feed is shoulders and Mandalorian helmets. And it's 10 o'clock at night, and I'm sitting there watching some 12-year-old kid with a spray can, and he's painting a helmet. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I watching this? Because it was put in front of me. And literally, I created the feed. I created the environment with choices. That's the point. And this is the way life actually works. The choices we make move us into certain circles, and those circles feed, and then we move further and further down the road, which is why the power of environment is so, so important. There's a, there's a story in 1 Kings that I'll just tell you this really, really, really quick. Um, the, 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 the king's name is Rehoboam. And Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. And Solomon has this huge, wealthy empire, and he gives it to his son, Rehoboam. Now, When Rehoboam takes the throne, the people of the land come to him and they're like, listen, your father Solomon worked us so hard and he beat us down so much. He was so hard on us. Would you give us some relief? Would you be kind to us and we'll love you and support you and follow you? And he said, give me three days. That was wise. And then he went and talked to two groups of people. He talked to the old wise counselors who had worked under his father. And they said, listen to the people, give them some grace and they'll, they'll be with you forever. You'll have their loyalty. But but I want you to see what he ended up doing instead. He says, but he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who he had grown up with and stood before him. So he says, I don't care what you guys say. I got my buddies over here, his circle. And in that moment, his buddies said, you know what you should say to the people? Tell them if you think my dad was rough, wait till you see what I'm going to do to you. And that decision, he chose which circle? And that decision would be the beginning of the end of him. And ultimately the kingdom would become divided. Why? Because he he listened to the wrong people. So I want you to see how much this matters. The right people, the right places will influence where you end up. Let me me give you another really quick example of how this works. If you were to, let's say if you were to spend an hour each day in one place, I'm going to give you two options. The first place you could sit and spend an hour each day from 5 to 6 p.m. would be an all-you-can-eat buffet. Italian food? Anybody like Italian food? Maybe it's too close to lunch to be talking about this. But, you know, you're sitting there. Just, you're just sitting in the restaurant every day for an hour. And you look around. People are dipping their fresh bread in the oil. And they're eating lasagna. And it's the smells and the sounds, the clink. And the people drinking wine. And you're just looking, right? Now, I, I'm going to tell you something. The chances of you joining in and eating, the chances of you gaining weight are really high. <laughs> Only because you chose to sit in an all-you-can-eat buffet every day for an hour. Now, if you alternatively decided to sit for an hour every day inside of a sports complex where people are exercising with trainers and, the, and you're watching people who maybe are older than you, maybe heavier than you, out of shape, and they're out there like succeeding, sweating it out with the oldies, you know, and they're running on the treadmill and they're, they're doing their thing and you're watching them and you're going, I could do that. I could do that. 
I'm here for an hour anyway. I might as well go on that stair climber, right? And so all of a sudden, just because you chose to sit there, so a year from now, just based on your decision to sit somewhere for an hour each day, it could be over here. Your butt would be very large, right? Because you just you're just eating. And over here, your body could be in shape and you could be getting stronger. Why? Again, all you did was sat in a different spot. Because here's what's important about the power of environment. Where you sit determines what you see in here. And what you see in here happens to affect the way you think. And the way you think impacts the way you act. And so just by being in a different spot, it can change everything. It can change everything. That's the power of environment. So this is what he did. Let's, let's continue on with our text. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Be careful what voices you're listening to. Secondly, he says, nor stands in the way of sinners. I want you to notice this does not say, blessed is a man who doesn't sin. It says, blessed is the man or woman who doesn't hang around people who are sinning. That's what it says. People who hang around people who are desirous to sin. Why? Because just being around those people will influence you. Proverbs 13 says it this way. Proverbs 13 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. If the only thing that you did today, leaving here, was chose a few wise people and spent more time with them, you would be in a better place five years from now. I guarantee it. Walk with the wise, become wise. But the companion of fools, if you, if your best friend and the people in your inner circle are foolish and they're blowing up their lives, doing dumb things, guess what? You will suffer harm. Anybody here ever had someone close to you blow up their life? Did you feel the impacts? You still got some shrapnel under the skin, probably. Like, it's, it's real. Like, this is the principle. This is the principle that we're talking about, okay? The power of environment. Your life, your life will be impacted. It's going to come up. Your life will be impacted by those who are closest to you. That's just true. Let's look at the last thing. He says, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer. Now, I, I love the word scoffer. I looked it up. In the Hebrew, it, it literally means to, to mock or to make mouth sat. Hey, kids, I want you to clean your room. They're just making mouths. Anybody ever seen this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your boss is like, I need you to stay 10 minutes late and clean that up for me. And it's like, you think you're so... That's, that's what a mocker is, okay? And it's like, don't sit with those people. Because the, the people you sit with, you, when you sit, you're comfortable. Like You're like, I'm here for a while. Like You're sitting there with people who are mockers. I used to work in a factory, and the people that I worked with were just like, they were just like complaining about everything, criticizing everybody, and I just sit there saying nothing working. And then I go home, and I'd be like, and I just start being critical. And I was like, what in the world is going on with me? I was like, I need to get out of that environment. Because the people I'm sitting with, the people I'm spending all this time with are influencing my heart and my thoughts. You can, it's amazing. You can be part of a union, and there can be a culture that goes through that whole union, an attitude that flows through thousands of people across the province. You can be part of a company and there's just an attitude. It's, it spreads. It's viral. It's like, if that's the way people think and you're sitting with them and spending all that time, eventually you start to think and feel just like they do. You with me? That's why we have to choose our circle. That's why we have to understand the power of environment. If you, if you sit with somebody long enough, you will begin to adopt their, their point of view. Okay? We're talking today about the, about the power of environment. Uh, you know, years ago, uh, just from a, on a personal note, um, my wife Jessica and I, we celebrated our 23rd anniversary last week. And um, when we did that, uh, I was reminded that there were a few decisions that we made as a young couple that I think influenced where we are today. 
You know, we made lots of mistakes along the way, of course, like everyone, but there were a few key decisions. One of them was that we, we decided when we first got married, it was like every Sunday that we can, yeah, you get a few Sundays off a year, but every Sunday we can, we're going to be in church. And the reason why we made that decision, not because we're hardcore Christians, not because I'm a pastor, because I wasn't at the time. The reason why we made that decision is because we understood the power of environment. That a lot of Sundays it would be easy to wake up and be like, you know what? Let's make bacon and eggs, watch TV, and just chill out at home. And we could have made that decision so many times that we said, no, we committed, we're going to church. Because that's a good environment, not only for us, but for our kids. Now, i got to tell you, there were some Sundays I didn't want to go to church. There still are. And I'm the preacher, so imagine. I can imagine how you guys feel, you know. I usually like what I'm about to say. And, and there are days when I didn't, I didn't feel like it, but we we're like, that's a good place to be. Because honestly, there are some Sundays I went to church. Some days I still go to church and I get nothing. It's like blah, blah, blah. Stuff I've already heard. Songs I've already sung. Blah, blah. And sometimes I walk out and I'm like, well, uh, well, it was, you know, we missed. That, that didn't work. And then some days I come to church and, and someone on here or someone out there will say something. A song will begin to sing a song as a congregation and God will be like that. You need to address that. Like just all of a sudden something happens. Someone will come up and say an encouraging word or offer to pray with me. And, and so it's like, by being in that environment consistently, it shapes your future. So we decided when we first got married, we're going to go to church. We're not only just going to show up, we're going to serve. And we've always done that. But long before we started a church, we were serving in a church faithfully. And we decided we were going to tithe and give something back, our first and best back to God. Like three simple decisions that we've consistently done for 23 years. And it's part of the reason why we're still in church today, serving and loving. The environment of the church. And I'll tell you, you come to church, there's going to be critical people you're going to get hurt, right? Because people hurt you, but people also help you. And so it's a matter of coming to church is probably the best place where you're going to find people who love God like you do and want to take steps forward. So hope this is helpful. Let's go back to our text. And I want to show you something. I want to show you the process, how this works. Here's the danger. The warning is you walk and then you stand and then you say, isn't that the way it works? It's like, you want you to see the progression, how this sort of deteriorates, right? It starts with like, oh, I'm just going to walk through this situation, you know, I said to my parents, I got to go to the field party. It's going to be fine. And, and, you know, I could have gone and been like, hey, I didn't do anything dumb. Didn't mess up my life. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just here. It's all good. I'm just walking around. Hey, hey, hey. Next thing you know, you're standing there. Next thing you know, you're sitting right in the middle of it. And it's a progression. It's a desensitization, right? I like to think of the, the, the table saw. First time I used a table saw, I was terrified. Some of you have seen a table saw. It's a table with a blade full of teeth. 70 carbide teeth spinning at 100 miles an hour and you're like putting a piece of plywood through it. And I remember the first time I just, like there's the tables on I'm like rrr, rrr, rrr. and then guess what happened over time I'm like I got this I'm using a little pusher foot I'm like huh yeah, oh yeah got, now it's like mm, fingers an inch from the blade it's like no problem I've done this 100 times what could go wrong okay that's how it happens <laughs> we get desensitized it's like oh I'm fine you know, like to use the church example, I can skip church for a year, it's not going to affect me. A year later, you're like, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. Like, like how did it happen? It happened slowly over time, right? And so it's like the things, the circles you put yourself in affect you. I'm going to watch this news feed every day, every day, and I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get anxious. The world's ending. Of course you will, because the environment you're putting, the stuff you're feeding yourself with is going to shape your future. I assure you, the longer you stay in the wrong place, the more dangerous it becomes. A flyby is fine. But when you stop and stand around for a while, you're like, I'm still fine. Then you sit down and start participating. That's the process. That's how this thing works. So I'm warning you up front. 
the, lo- the, 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 the environment and the people you choose will, will affect everything. So let's get, that was the first verse. Let's get to the second verse. How am I doing for time? I'm out of time. Okay. His delight is the law of the Lord. So instead of surrounding yourself with all the wrong people, the wrong voices, the wrong places, instead, the psalmist says, here's what you need to do. Delight in the law of the Lord. And on that law, meditate day and night. David's like, there's something about what God has spoken, his law, his word, the words of Christ. These are something that you can build your life on, a firm foundation. The truth of the matter is, you, can, you will make something. As you go out into this world this week, you're going to choose something to be your center. You're going you're gonna to build your life on a foundation. What's it going to be? Culture? I don't know if you know this, but culture changes a lot from century to century. If we went back 100 years, you'd see people being treated differently because of the color of their skin. You go back 200 years, you see women being pushed. To, like, and at the time, those things were normal. And it's like, well, it's acceptable. That's the way it is. Culture keeps changing. We need something that doesn't change to base our life on. Some of the things that you think are right and just right now, 100 years from now, people are going to be like, oh, that's just silly. If, if, if there's no standard by which we form a foundation for our life, then the thing is changed. Even you, you've changed in five years. Imagine if you were setting your own foundation, it's going to keep changing and you can't build anything on it. So David's like, the only thing that you can, is trustworthy enough and solid enough is the word of God, his law, his truth. Which is why we have to open this thing up and read it. It's why, because I'm telling you something, it's impossible, it's impossible to have a relationship with God if you don't listen to him. I said, I've been married 23 years, and I can tell you, the condition and the quality of my relationship with my wife is completely dependent on me listening to her. And she listening to me. We'll add that in. She usually has more to say. If you don't listen to someone, you don't love them. And when you listen to them, you hear, and it changes you, and it changes them. That's called relationship. And David's like, if you want to have a firm foundation for your life, if you want to have the right circle, make sure, again, you want God at the center of your life, Put him there first, put his law in your heart, and then allow it to influence everything else around. He moves on, and we're on verse 3. Look at this. This person who doesn't choose all the wrong places and people, but instead starts with the God's word, is like a tree. And I love that the fact that it uses the word planted by streams. It's not a tree that just happened there. It's like this tree was purposely put by water so it could thrive. That is the power of environment. The tree is planted by streams of water and it yields fruit in its season and its leaf doesn't wither and all that he or she does will prosper. This is a person who has chosen to put their roots in the right place. Chosen to be planted in the right place. I'm telling you, you can be like, I love God and I'm working hard to be the right kind of person. I'm going to do all the right stuff. And if you're not surrounded in the right environment, you will shrivel up. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how disciplined you are. If you're in the wrong environment, you will not thrive. We have a little orange tree. I've talked about it. And that thing wouldn't do anything. And we moved it to a north window, which makes no sense. But as soon as we put it there, oranges popping up everywhere. It came to life because something about the environment wasn't right. And and some of you have been working so hard with your faith and you're trying to love God and do the right things. And you're like, it's just not working. Maybe the problem is your environment. And something needs to change. Like a tree planted by streams of water. The place that you plant your roots will determine your fruit. The place that you plant your roots will determine your fruit. 
Let me wrap up by just reminding you what we talked about. We talked about the power of environment, okay? And, and, and the power of environment is not just the people, but it's the places, it's the surrounding, and, and all of that impacts you, which is why we have, to, we have to choose our circle. It's why we have to make a decision about who is going to... Now, let me share with you the pushback as we close. The pushback to this, like when I was a kid, I would say to my parents, you don't understand. My friends are good people. And they were nice people, and they were good. You know, I've often thought of this. People always, we always tend to categorize people as like good and evil. Good guys, bad guys, us, them. That's just how our brains work. This tribe, that tribe. Very, very. But the truth of the matter is, I believe there's good in every person. God made us that way. I'm not saying every person's good. I'm saying there's good in every person. Like, I don't know if Adolf Hitler, because he's like the quintessential bad person, obviously, for obvious reasons. But like, I don't know if he had kids or not, but if he had kids, I'm sure he would have been a loving father and cared about his kids and tried to do what he could for them. So there's good in every person, but not every person is good for you. Let me say that one more time. There's good in every person. Not every person is good for you. I believe we're called by God to love everyone, regardless of whether they agree with us or not, whether in our tribe or not. None of that stuff matters. We love everyone because God loves everyone. They're his children. But we still are called to make very wise choices about who becomes part of our circle. I said earlier, I would argue with my parents, say, but Jesus, he hung around with all these people. But the truth of the matter is, yes, Jesus went out and loved everybody, ministered to everyone, but he chose his friends very carefully. You with me? He surrounded himself with people who were on mission with him who were learning from him and who he would send out to impact the entire world with the gospel. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, so I wouldn't want you to hear this message and be like, pastor's like wants us to live in a Christian bubble. We're going to create a monastery and only people who love Jesus are allowed in there and we're going to live together and we're, not going to, we're all going to encourage each other. No, we'll just shrivel up because there has to be outflow. We have to love our community. We have to go to work with people that think different than us. But we need to surround ourselves in the right environment to strengthen our souls, to strengthen our hearts. This this making sense to anybody. I believe that we can have relationship with anybody because all you have to do is find a common denominator. You ever done math, adding fractions? Common denominator? And so any person in this room, if we talked long enough, I could find a common denominator. Oh, we like the same TV show. Oh, we've both been on missions. Oh, we, we, we both eat carrots. Like whatever. It's just like we have something. And so we connect around those commonalities. That's why we started this morning like, hey, who does this? And it's like, oh, someone else that loves camping. You can connect around that. And if you're not careful, you will find a connection with anyone. But you need to choose your connection. And if you choose that common denominator, if that common denominator is Christ and we share that, then we let that be the thing that unifies us in the church, our relationship and love for Christ. And then from there, we build. And so again, all I wanted to say today is, is choose your circle wisely. I hope this is helpful for you. Uh, Next, we're going to come back and talk about engaging in our faith, but uh, let me close in prayer, and then uh, Andrew's going to come share some announcements. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for Psalm 1 that reminds us that the environment we choose will actually impact our relationship with you and others. And so, Lord, I know many people listening to the sound of my voice, we, we, we want to make you first. We want to have you as the center. We want you to be the foundation But then sometimes, Lord, we choose the wrong environments and the wrong people. And it ends up negating everything that you're trying to do in our lives. And so God, help us to choose wisely the circle of people, the places we go. Holy Spirit, if there's anything in our lives that you want to put your finger on today to point out, to make an adjustment, we say, show us. 
Thank you for this message and thank you for these people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.